Hello everyone, the one called fate knocks at your door. And uh, we're back with another episode of Table Top Recap. I'm your host, Hunt, and we have Big Boy Chungus with us again here today. Hello. And uh, today we are talking about King of New York. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can call it a sequel game to King of Tokyo, but maybe more like an expanded game for King of Tokyo. Yes, this is. So if you saw our King of Tokyo episode, this is going to be a lot like that, but uh, with a lot more stuff integrated in it. So you ready to roll for initiative? Yee. Ten. Eleven. Ah. Oh. All right. So I guess I'll start it. Um, yeah. Tell so us the rules, bud. King of to- King of New York is the best way I can describe it is a true sequel to the already existing King of Tokyo board game. It has a lot of the same base rules. You have a major city, and there are two major parts. There's the heart of the city, and then there's the border of the city. And each monster take turns attacking one another, destroying um, parts of the city, and earning enough currency, in this case energy, to try and power themselves up and upgrade them. Kind of like how many kaiju will use various natural resources like Godzilla uses radiation. Gamma eats fire. Exactly. Uh, they find various things to power themselves up and make themselves stronger in the form of power-up cards. So those are the basic rules. Um, but unlike King of Tokyo, we have a few things that are different. Uh, whereas we still have the attack, the energy and the healing dice faces we have three new ones as opposed to just the numbered dice one two three and the last game those uh, numbers were used to determine how many victory points you could get uh if you rolled three ones you could get one three twos two and three threes three so on and so forth but in this one we now have three different dice face the first one is destruction points which these uh unlike king of tokyo you now actually have building and military units that scatter the landscape and depending on how many of these destruction points you get you are capable of destroying buildings and units in order to receive various rewards buildings will oftentimes reward you with health and victory points and destroying units will oftentimes reward you with energy and health Uh, then you have celebrity points or star power points and Rolling less than three of these will usually give you nothing, but unlike King of Tokyo, there are special cards that, excuse me, anyone can get access to. So if you roll three star star power points, you get the Superstar perk card, in which uh, you receive one victory point by receiving it, and as long as you hold it, you get victory points for every star uh, dice face that you roll while having it. However, the downside is, is that if anyone else rolls three stars or higher in a, on their turn, they can steal the card from you, thus giving everyone an opportunity to earn star points every turn. Um, you also then have our third new dice face, which is the ouch points. And basically, this is what I like to call the humans fighting back dice face. <laughs> because uh, as you destroy buildings around uh, the city of New York, you uh, increase the number of military units that are around the city. And for every military unit that is in your particular part of the board, and you roll an ouch face or multiple ouch faces, uh, the military will begin attacking monsters. If you roll one, um, the military units will only attack you in your borough. 
if the there's two, all <clears throat> all military units will attack all monsters in one burrow. And if you roll three or higher, then all military everywhere will attack all monsters. So it's a really good way to kind of jerk your teammates over. Um, then, let me explain to how the map works. So, unlike King of Tokyo, where you simply had Tokyo City and Tokyo Bay, it is the entire city of New York with the five boroughs. Uh, the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, uh, Staten Island, and then Manhattan, which is acting as our major part of the city. Now, uh, since there are more parts to the map, monsters have more freedom of movement. So if you destroy a bunch of buildings, like let's say in Staten Island, you can then move at the end of your turn to Brooklyn and avoid all of the uh, military that is there in case uh, someone else decides to roll a bunch of ouch points. Yeah, because when you destroy buildings, it creates military units. Yeah. Um, so you can move that way. However, uh, Manhattan acts very much like Tokyo City in King of Tokyo, where the first player to roll uh, an attack moves into Tokyo first, and of course they will receive a victory point while they are there, and they will receive rewards for every consecutive turn that they stay there. However, uh, unlike King of Tokyo, uh, there are actually different parts of Manhattan that you can move up into. Um, and you can use your movement to go up in different parts of Manhattan, and for each section you're in, for each consecutive turn you you are in, you get more rewards. So yeah, so when you enter, you get a victory point, and then if you stay in the lower part, you get a victory point and an energy. If you move and stay to the middle part, you get two victory points and energy, and if you move and stay to the upper part, you get two victory points and two energy, but you can't heal in any of them. Yeah, the only way you can heal is if you are in an area that you are able to destroy buildings like hospitals that provide health, or if you have an ability that gives you health while you're in Manhattan. But you like can't, a card. But you cannot heal via dice rolls. Um, so... There are a lot more different powers to this, too. They all revolve around more Western-themed kaiju uh, and more Westernized themes. Obviously, since this is taking place in um, New York, USA, instead of Tokyo, Japan. Um, yeah, let me read off the monsters that come in the box for you. You got Draconis, which is like a big cyber dragon soldier. Mantis, which is a cyborg giant praying mantis that has, like, chainsaws for its... Wasn't there, a, wasn't there a Harryhausen movie that had a giant praying mantis? No, but there is a giant mantis film. I don't think it's stop motion, though. I think it's like a puppet or an animatronic or something. I haven't seen it in years. Uh, there's one called Sheriff, who's probably the cutest one. He is just a T-Rex dressed up like a little cowboy. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's a Halloween card from the King of Tokyo Halloween expansion. Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. You would, you would know, No, it's man. not, but I feel like it should be. <laughs> Yeah, because I think your Halloween ones are just in the Tokyo box, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's Captain Fish, which is just a whale in, like, a giant diver's suit that he can use to attack the city. Yeah, think like a, a Mr. Bubbles Big Daddy from um, Bioshock, except instead of being a human inside of a diving suit, it's a whale inside of a diving suit. I don't know how they got away with this one. There's one called Kong, I guess... King Kong is what's copyrighted and not yeah. just Kong. Well, there was a whole lawsuit between Nintendo and... Uh, what was the production company for King, the original King Kong? Was that Warner Brothers? RKO? I don't even think yeah. RKO exists anymore. Now, it was one of the big Hollywood companies that got into a lawsuit with Nintendo, but they pretty much just determined that Kong is just a term for a large ape. So as anyone can use the term Kong, but it's specifically King Kong that's copyrighted. 
Okay, well, it's just like a giant albino gorilla that looks like it's going to a rave. He's got Daft Punk goggles and everything. <laughs> yeah, he just looks like he's going to a rave. And I think there is one of the power-up cards that's like him partying on the Empire State Building. And then there's just Rob. He just looks like a classic sci-fi robot. Yeah, you'd think that Nintendo would get upset about that. Because they, too, have a robot named Rob. Nah, well, there, there's Robbie the robot, and there's, there's several robots named Rob. Yeah, those are the monsters. They're nice, fun little parodies of actual stuff. I really enjoyed them. Sheriff is so cute. <laughs> um, Definitely look him up. But yeah, the way you win the game is just like it was in King of Tokyo. You either become the first monster to earn 20 victory points or fight to be the last monster standing. Um, but of those two ways, you can win any way you really want to. You can either go the, uh, the power-up route where you focus on rolling for energy and just buy as many cards as you can. You can uh, go the destructive route and try and just destroy as many buildings and military units as possible. Uh, there's the enduring route where you just try and stay in Manhattan as long as possible um, and foregoing only if you absolutely have to. You know, There's any number of ways with the resources you have available that can... Uh, get you to win the game. Um, it's the one critique that I would have for this game is that it's a little bit one-sided if you're playing with two people. Yeah, you we should played definitely th- play with four to six. We played three times, just the two of us, and you got into Manhattan first every single time. And once you got to the third tier of Manhattan, unless I just completely doubled down and went into f- to doing damage to you. Uh, I could not catch up. Well, you didn't win any of the games today. Yeah. I mean, we've played this game several times in the past. It's not like today's our first time playing it or anything, because we've played with more people. And this game, I feel like, was made specifically so that more people could be included, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they wanted to include more people, which is why they had to add more ways to get victory points and stuff, because you needed to give more people a chance if someone was just not leaving Manhattan. So uh, it's definitely, like, if you're planning on playing with just a couple people, King of Tokyo is probably better. Um, But if you want to play with several people, like four to six, uh, then you should probably play King of New York. uh, Because, like, King of Tokyo is one of my favorite games of all time. But we decided while we were playing, we were like, well, probably, when it's just the two of us, which it usually is, We'll probably just play King of Tokyo, and when we have more people over, uh, which might happen one day, (laughs) usually when we have more people over, we're doing a TTRPG is the thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we have more people, then this is definitely the game for it. You definitely want this one over uh, Tokyo if you have way more players. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think my favorite thing was the Superstar card. That card got me victory yeah, so once, many times. If you can manage to stay in Manhattan and hold on to the Superstar card, you're getting at least four victory points before you even start rolling dice. Yeah, like my first turn every game I got four victory points. Because I was, I was jumping in Manhattan and I was destroying buildings and I was getting it all. I think at one point you actually got eight victory points in a single turn because you rolled like four... Four of the celebrity points, and then two destruction. So that's four victory points, plus the two that you had gotten for staying in Manhattan, plus the two victory points for destroying a building. Yeah, that's eight. <laughs> eight yeah. in one turn. Yeah, I was I was kicking some serious butt. But, you know, the kaiju gods are with me because I do, in fact, worship them. We have reviewed several kaiju games on this show. 
And we will be reviewing more because I'm going to get Godzilla Jenga, Godzilla Extreme Jenga. I'm going to get Godzilla Kaiju World War. I'm going to get the new Funko Godzilla Kaiju Clash game or whatever it's called. Uh, I'm going to get all those Godzilla games. I'm going to get that other. So there's some other Kaiju games. One's destruction based, one's battle based. I'll be getting those. I have Monster Apocalypse. Uh, I don't really want to relearn that game because it's a lot. But uh, I will for the podcast. Anything for the cast, you know. Plus, it's kaiju. I love kaiju. Um, but that's probably it for... Like, what are your final thoughts on the game? It's really fun. I think it takes all the core concepts of King of Tokyo that made it fun, and they just added more to it. It is as close to it. And, like, I, I, you don't usually see a sequel with board games, but this is, like, a true sequel where it takes all of uh, the stuff that made it good and then just add more mechanics. Um, my biggest critique, like I said, was it doesn't really work as well for two to three people it's really more enjoyable if you're able to get four or five um but yeah that's uh, other than that i think it's a really fun game and even if you're not really into it the artwork is still very fun to, to look at and admire yeah i mean it's for ages 10 and up you can play with your kids that's always fun it's a good family board game um now do the expansion sets you have do those also work with king of new york or are those just king of tokyo those are just king of tokyo because those uh some of the cards because remember i mentioned that half the dice faces have been changed for king of new york all of uh, a good number of the expansions for king of tokyo creatures and the power-up cards uh many of them revolve around the numbers of king of tokyo one two and three and don't have anything to do with the uh the ouches the celebrity cards or the destruction points. Okay, but there are single character packs you can get. Like, you can get Cthulhu, you can get an officially licensed King Kong. Yeah. Like, so there's there are some other packs which we went into more detail about in the King of Tokyo episode, so I'm not going to go into great detail about them today, because once again, we've already really talked about them. But they are compatible with both King of Tokyo and King of New York, which I always want to call King of Manhattan, to be honest, because that's the part you're really trying to get. Yeah, honestly... Um... I even thought it was called that for the longest time. For the longest time. For the longest time. I can't sing that high high pitch. Oh, dude. I got guilted into being in an acapella group in high school, and that's the song we did. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I did not want to do that group. I barely tried. (laughs) So, uh, now that that's over, just a little housekeeping. Just want to ask you some more questions. Sure. Now, out of all the Dungeons & Dragons adventures, which one do you want to DM the most? Uh, well, I actually... I think I know the answer, but I want to hear what you say. <laughs> okay. So, the one that I've been prepping for the longest, the one that I've wanted to do the longest, is indeed Waterdeep. Waterdeep. Yeah, Waterdeep. Let's all make fun of me for liking Waterdeep. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I don't talk about it that much. I mentioned it twice, and next thing you know, that's like my catchphrase. Yeah, our group has this meme where every time he says Waterdeep, we go, Waterdeep! Don't you mean mean? <laughs> But, yeah, but ever since uh, I've gotten more into reading the pre-written modules, uh, I've actually uh, really wanted to do uh, Descent into Avernus for a while, which is the one we're currently running. Um, yeah, that one doesn't count because you're already running it. I'm a huge Acerarach fanboy, uh, so Tomb of Annihilation is another one that I would love to run um, next. But, but give us your top one, which, out of all of them, even, even other editions, like, out of all... The pre-written D&D modules and stuff. Which one would you want to DM the most? 
Waterdeep. Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And the reason being is because it is not, out of all the other ones, it is not a traditional um, story. Because Descent into Avernus, uh, Ghosts of Salt Marsh, Tomb of Annihilation, those are, even the ones that intentionally try to go out and harm the players, they typically level up accordingly to where the players are. Uh, in Waterdeep, it is an urban setting where the players are automatically set off in a city where if they step out of line or if they try anything funny, they will immediately get punished, usually with either death or life imprisonment. In fact, um, in the first uh, part of the game, you're actually given a list of laws in Waterdeep, and it tells you like the punishment for breaking these laws. Mm-hmm. And you can actually have a character go away permanently without death if they do something that is of a serious enough crime, like it's murder like, or extortion. You're in prison, hard labor, 10 years. And so so if you do that, you know, your whole character can change like that. Like, oh, I'm a lawful good guy, but because I accidentally was part of a bank robbing, I now either have to go to jail and create a new character, or I have to become a, a criminal, dodge the police, and probably join a, a villain faction just so I can keep playing my character. Oh, my. So it's... it's it's meant for new players. It's a one to five campaign, but at the same time, it is it forces the players to follow a set of rules while simultaneously be creative. Just because something is against the law doesn't mean you can't do it. You just have to think more creatively and legally how you can do it. Like I remember listening to one podcast where a guy actually committed murder by uh, hiding a body in a barrel. And then uh, through said barrel, with living person still in it, down the yawning portal um, <laughs> hole. And the um, he managed to convince everyone in the tavern, because that tavern's always packed. Like, it is the go-to pub in Waterdeep. And everyone was mad. He's like, hey, you can't throw your rubbish down the well. you got to pay for that. How much do you charge to throw trash down it? Ten gold pieces. Here's eleven, and give me an ale. Fine, get out. <laughs> And he just committed murder. Yeah, nice. So if you want to murder somebody, you totally can. The The game doesn't try to say, no, you can't do certain things. Because that's the whole point of D&D. I want to try and do things. Uh, but it forces you to think creatively and on the fly. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so obsessed with it. Uh, is because it, it challenges you. Yeah. As opposed to... Uh, <laughs> As opposed to descend into Avernus, where in our second session, everyone nearly gets TPK'd by mold. <laughs> I would have let him pull that thing back a second time. You were too nice. I would have I would have let Connor kill them all. I am I think that's where we differ. Like <laughs> I I believe in punishment, but I don't believe in I think the punishments should escalate as the story goes on because most of these guys in our in our group current group are very very new. Um, if they do something dumb once, you know, go ahead and do an according punishment. But if they're going to do it again, they should at least know that the consequences will be the same. Yeah, it's that whole uh, definition of insanity bit. In all honesty, uh, when it happened the first time, like here's how I would have done that. Uh, he would have pulled it back the first time. I would have had him punished with the mold. And then when he went to it the second time, I would have gone, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and then when he inevitably would have said yes, 
I would have killed everyone except G's character. G's character would have lived. Everyone else would have died. Well, yeah, G. Well, that's because he's two levels higher than everybody else. Well, just one level now. Yeah. Uh, although he is almost at level five. Ooh. Uh, I think by the time they finish this dungeon and start the next chapter of the Baldur's Gate storyline, he will have made it to level five. But he probably won't reach level six until they actually get to hell. Yeah, we'll continue our uh, recaps of those, and then when the whole module is done, we will review the module as a whole uh, in, in, a, in a following episode. But uh, now, out of all the D&D modules, which one would you want to play the most? Oh, goodness. Um, I would have to either say Curse of Strahd, because that is like a classic D&D 5th edition story. Uh, it, it has a lot of tropes and cliches, but they're the, the tasteful ones, the ones that everyone wants to be a part of. Or Tomb of Annihilation, because that is like... I know it's a cliche at this point to say it's the Dark Souls of something, but that game really does want to try and torture you. Yeah, you, Kami, and Karen always say it's the Dark Souls of something, and I, who have never played Dark Souls... Just don't care when you guys say that. I'm like, okay. Get good, a, scrub. It's a vi- I don't play a lot of video games. But yeah, so like the game immediately starts off, uh, the Tomb of Annihilation does, with a kick in the head with uh, the, um, I don't remember the name of the plague, but there's a disease going around, a magical disease that prevents the proper resurrection or raising of the dead. Yes, of course. So basically, if you are someone who has just recently been resurrected at the time of the plague starting... Um, one, your character is going to slowly die over time, and you can't heal it until basically you finish the module, which encourages you to pick up the pace unless you want to make a new character. Uh, and then you've got a lot of high-level enemies, dinosaurs, and then, of course, a Sarak who has just always been known for fooling and messing around with people for his own amusement. Uh, it's just a, a challenge. Yeah, I... If I could play one... It would be the new Icewind Dale Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Yeah, that's one that I do want to run at some point because it just has so... It, it's such a cool setting. I mm-hmm. love the frozen icy tundras. And if you want... The miniatures I, are cool, too. I, I know that you may not... You're, you're, uh, you don't want to be part of two D&D groups, but you do actually get to visit that region in Storm King's Thunder. So depending on when we get around to playing it, I might have a tie-in to it. If I have that module, then maybe uh, my friend Steven is about to start running it, and if I wanted to play it, I would have asked to be in his campaign. I'm sure he would have said yes, but uh, if I were, if I was really gonna play it, I would have asked to be in his. But I just don't want to be in two groups at the same time. Let alone three. <laughs> yeah, because I'm coaching in your group, basically. Yeah, you're coaching in our group, playing and DMing in uh, Kami and uh, Karen's group. Uh, and then you would have to put up with... Steven's not a bad guy, but you would have to do everything with their group. Yeah, I'm not familiar with anyone else in his group other than him. I don't know anybody else. Uh, but if I was going to run one, the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> Which I actually have. Or for 5th edition, yeah. Tomb of Horrors? Yeah, man. It's part of the uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal. The real Tomb of Horrors is in there. Well, it's the remastered 5th edition one, but... uh... Is it still as deadly as it was back in the day? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, definitely put your guys through that. (laughs) Well, if I do, I might have to make some changes to it, because I was watching someone else play it on a podcast. Nah, just kill everybody. (laughs) 
<laughs> Several times, probably. Yeah, I survived that when I was um, in high school. We put all our characters through that. Only two of us made it out. Uh, uh, my character in high school stayed alive all four years. Spock, the half-elf cleric, he survived the Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, uh, here's, uh, here's the original map for it and everything. It's just got a new, fresh, 5 e coat of paint. I bet it's easier now. No, it's not. Are you sure? <laughs> I watched professional D&D players who, like, they've made it their YouTube career to, like, just play and DM this stuff. And they went in with, like, level 15 uh, characters each. And I think two out of the three died. One of them was resurrected. A new character had to be made before they finally got to where the true ending is. Because there's a fake ending in this. Yeah, I know. What level is it for? Uh... Let me check the front. It usually tells you. But um, yeah, now, I didn't know there was a 5th edition version of it. Yeah. I honestly didn't know. Yeah, that's the one I would run just because I'm a sociopath. 211. I also just remember having fun in it. I don't remember everything that happened because it was oh, it was like a decade ago. Yeah, but this is like where a Sarerak was introduced as a character. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It usually tells you. Maybe it's in the introduction. I, I want to say it's like for levels uh, 15 to 20. It's meant for high That sounds level. about right, yeah. Because the traps alone can one-shot players that are less than that. Yeah, because I think we played it my senior year, so that makes sense. Because my character I've been playing for four years at that point, every Friday minus summers. So... Yeah, it says somewhere in here what the approximate levels are. I just can't seem to find them at this moment. Oh, wait, here it is. Uh, let's see. Who's it for? Who's it for? Who's it for? Who's it for? Only high-level characters stand a chance of coming back alive, but every player who braves the tomb will have experience of a lifetime. So, yeah, every um, every one of these adventures in the Yawning Portal says that, you know, this is meant for like 1 to 3, 5 to 8... Etc. But Tomb of Horror specifically is vague in saying only high-level characters. That's what you should do after Avernus. <laughs> when they're all high-level, send them into that tomb. <laughs> oh, that would be great. That's what you should... I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> That's perfect. They'll be high-level because they were going to retire their characters after that because they were going to be so high-level. So why not throw them in that? You said you wanted to do a Tales of Yawning Portal between bigger campaigns. That might be a nice send-off for everyone's character, you know. Send, like, send off to hell. <laughs> it's, it's like, we've braved the, the archdevils and demon lords, we've braved the river sticks, <laughs> and we uh, did this, that, and the other with the archdevil Zariel. It's like, but we have one more mission. A lich is apparently causing problems in a dungeon right outside of Baldur's Gate. We defeated all of hell, but this one lich. Oh, God. Oh, now I want it. Now we have to do it. And then come to find out it's not the actual Aserak because he's causing problems in Chult. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to do it. Oh, you know what would be funny is if... Uh, they uh, died right at the beginning? Well, they well, they, <laughs> they died at the beginning, but af if they die in the, uh, the Tomb of Horrors, uh, it actually... Um, the, the disease in uh, Tomb of uh, Annihilation actually starts... Like, they get resurrected, but they start falling apart. Oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely run that Tomb of Horrors after Avernus. Now I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that. I'm surprised. I did not know it was in there. I'm surprised you didn't know, yeah. Well, I, I, um, 
most of my game mastering is for Call of Cthulhu, not for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So, and I don't have any of those books, so I didn't know what was in there. All I knew was the Sunless Citadel. Yeah, that Tales of the Yawning Portal and Ghosts of Saltmarsh are two great resources to have if you're looking for random encounters or dungeons. I yeah. love them. So play for me, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, DM for me, Tomb of Horrors, and your play was Tomb of Annihilation, and your DM was Waterdeep Water Dragon Heist. Mm-hmm. Waterdeep. Leave me alone. <laughs> Waterdeep. <laughs> All right. But uh, oh, that's probably it for today. Um, what game do you think you want to do next time? We got Magic the Gathering, Pokemon the Trading Card Game. Well, it's getting oh. kind of close to October. I'd like us to do, in the time between now and October, I'd say we should do a Magic or Pokemon video. We are recording this in September, but this episode will be out in October, I think. I'd like us to do uh, a Betrayal at House on the Hill video with uh, Karen and Kami at some point. Yeah. I think they'd enjoy playing that. Yeah, because you definitely need more than two people for that game. What is it, four or more? three or more oh okay yeah so we do need another person but uh we still got cranium we still got Catan. we still got which we still need to play with karen and Kami. yeah because they want to be in that episode monopoly fallout risk starcraft uh i want to wait to do fallout new california so we can put some distance between the first fallout game and that one we're still taking a break from that game yeah we we always take like a year or two long break between Fallout just because it, it exhausts it wears you so out. much. I don't think we've ever played for less than six hours. Yeah. Like, for real. It's insane. Never played for less than six hours. Pretty wild stuff. But uh, that is it for today. Thank you all very much for your support. Remember to rate, comment, and subscribe. If you check out the links in the description, you can find our merch on eBay. You can find uh, our Facebook page where we post pictures of lots of our games and stuff. And that Facebook page is also for our other podcasts as well. Uh, there's a lot going on down there. You can donate. You can find us on Patreon. Uh, find us on Twitter. If you want to recommend games for us, whether we have them or not, uh, you can check us out at B3 Productions on Twitter. That's the best place to chat with us. Yeah, we're always looking for new games to play. We just haven't been on the hunt for any since um, we've been busy with work and our other lives. Well, I just got us a new game. I just got us Dungeons & Dragons The Miniatures game. But uh, we we already did an episode on that. We yeah, did an episode on that pretty quickly. But when was the when was the last time we played a game before that? That was brand new. Probably Fallout. I don't know, man. I don't know because we didn't even have the podcast first time we played Fallout. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't. know. We just don't get around a whole lot. So any feedback on games that are good or that you want to see us play, definitely uh, give us a shout out. Yeah, I'm down for that Doom game, Doom Second Edition. Rip and tear, rip and tear. Yeah, you can play. You get the Cyber Demon in that game. Oof. Yeah, that's it. Thank you all once again for your support. Uh, follow us uh, for more, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>